All right, Zach, Mariah, how you guys doing today? Good. I don't, I always hate when people talk about the fact that they screwed up doing something the first time, but I feel like I just need a level set everybody that, that this, whatever happens now, it's not nearly going to be as good as what happened before. And, and, um, it's unfortunate, but I feel like we should at least attempt because it was that good the first time. But, um, outside of that, outside of that, just immediate disappointment, how are you guys doing? Well, I, th I think there's an opportunity right now to recreate some magic and create new magic and whatever happened on the first recording, it doesn't matter. Exactly. I'll, I'll take your positivity right now and I'll go with it. I'll try to carry it as far as I can, Zach. But all right. So tell me what is going on with you guys as far as marketing, as far as video, just everything in general. What is, what is catching your attention and what are you most excited about right now? Well, I think we're both really excited about video. The cool thing about Mariah and I is that, um, so as co-host of the film school for marketers podcast, we get to represent kind of two sides of the aisle when it comes to video. I kind of focus on how, uh, video is changing the way that marketing is done in terms of like produced videos and, and production and getting people involved and things like that. And Mariah brings her wisdom when it comes to one-to-one -one video and sales. And so we're both really obsessed with video, the way that it's changing, uh, the way businesses communicate with their prospects, with their customers. And there's so many different ways to, to go about doing that. There's a lot for us to talk about all the time. So I'll piggyback off that and that, I mean, exactly what Zach said. I think I'm super passionate more and more each day about the use of one-to-one -one video and um, what that looks like for companies and sales reps and how to really bring more of a human element to your sales process, if not marketing in general as well. Yeah, we talked a lot about last time, the one-to-one, -one, right? And that's something that is going to become a bigger thing moving forward, right? And I don't think people fully grasp like what is capable in that realm and, and, the, and, and the amount of kind of marketing that can be done and, and, the, and the effectiveness that might, might come of it. How can somebody really kind of understand the potential of it and how far do you think we can take it? You know, really just another form of communication. And, and it's, I, in a lot of ways, it's not very revolutionary. It really is just allowing people to get face-to-face -face again with their communications where we've, you know, in this digital world, it's, it's become a lot more you know, not interesting with emails and instant messages and all of these things. And now we've got this tool to communicate face-to-face -face using technology that's easy to use and can improve the quality of any conversation, whether that's a sales conversation, a marketing conversation, a service, you know, however, it's just a great tool for communication. And I'm excited just to see the way that it changes the very way that people think about how to communicate with their prospects and customers and the way they go about doing it. It's, it's interesting how this kind of produces a change or shift in the way that we even communicate. I think what I'm most excited about is, is that piece for sure, right? Transforming um, how you're able to connect with people and, and humanizing things. But at the same point, we have this tool now that allows you to have more powerful communication, but at the same time, it saves you time. Um, especially when it comes to one-to-one -one video, like the whole point of it as well is to cut down on that extra time it would take you to write a long email or back and forth conversation. Like you can, can convey so much more through a video in a short amount of time. Um, maybe not so much for like video production and laying out, you know, overly produced videos, but in terms of like one-to-one -one as a video tool for the future, I think it's effective, but it also cuts down on the amount of time it takes to get things done. Yeah. And, and I, so from a standpoint of that, that one-to-one, how effective have you seen it in just not only like getting the attention of somebody you're already doing business with, but really allowing you to sort of just 
ease into somebody that you want to do business with that maybe might not be paying attention to you to where it's, Hey, there's this bigger account or something that, you know, this person that I wouldn't anticipate would take my phone call, but you can somewhat get that message. You can get something in front of them with that video with that, that thing that again, wasn't really at your disposal just a couple of years ago. I think one of the biggest things is, you know, we talk about how cluttered it is in the digital space. Um, and for you to even get seen in general is so tough, right? For anyone to even open up your email, for anybody to consume the information, like I get sales emails all the time and it's just plain text and you just graze through it, like nothing stands out. But if you're at a side-by-side put together your typical prospecting email versus one that has a video, it's pretty apparent which one's probably gonna catch somebody's attention before they hit delete. Um, and I think we talked about this on the episode even before, but from a more granular, granular level, um, you know, if you are including video in your prospecting or your sales outreach, using the word video in your subject line can do wonders for you in terms of your open rate. So just getting someone to even open that email um, is huge. What about you, Zach? What was the question again? <laughs> Um, like to, to, to kind of like punch above your weight class basically, right? To, yeah. to get the attention of somebody that might not necessarily be in, in your wheelhouse at the moment. You know, how, like, what, what have you seen? Have you seen any of, of your clients that have had some success with that to where they've been able to put something in front of a client that they might not have been able to get um, that, that did get their attention and, and started a conversation? Yeah. And this is, this is amazing too. And, and it really speaks to the underlying feeling that happens when you receive this kind of communication of trust and, you know, knowing the company and liking the person who you're doing business with. We've had multiple clients that have had some really incredible stories. We've had them here at Impact too, but you know, where maybe somebody was comparing uh, the services to a competitor and they're like, you know what, I would rather work with you because I feel like I know you and I can trust you. Uh, and uh, maybe it's, it's coming down to a cost objection. They're like, yeah, but I'd rather work with you because I, I like you and I trust you. Uh, so not only being able to stand out and get these opens and all these things, but really establish a, a, a better relationship allows you to, uh, to build com- connections with humans. And I think that's the greatest thing about it. Now, Zach, we had you at Elevate 18, our conference in Cleveland. You did a little workshop with a longtime friend of Agency Nation, Marcus Sheridan. And I'm kind of curious, what has changed even in the short amount of time, just, you know, a little over a year from that? Like, what have you seen the biggest shift uh, from from maybe what you would have covered then versus now? And and what what if somebody thought they've had a, a slight handle on video then? Like, what do they need to be paying attention to now? This is a really great question because things change fast. And, and sometimes I'm even shocked at how fast they change. You know, when I was there in, in 2018 to speak at Elevate, that was a time in which most companies weren't really doing a lot of video in-house. There was still a lot of outsourcing going on, a lot of production companies doing a majority of work for companies. And we talked about this in a recent episode of the podcast. We were reviewing the Vidyard video benchmark report for 2019. And the data shows that actually in, in the small to medium-sized business space, they're using majority in-house resources now. So we're seeing this shift of companies now leveraging internal employees or hiring additional talent and bringing them in-house and producing a lot of content. And so the, the, the real difference that makes is 
that means these companies are producing more content, that the, qual- the quality of the content is getting better because they're producing more of it, and that it's now going to become more of an expected thing in, in the sales process. And so I think that's something all of us should take note of and really start to figure out what that means for us. Um, that just simply wasn't the conversation we were having a few years ago. You know, the thing that's most fascinating to me is that being in the insurance industry is that we don't move that fast, right? And, and you know, the, the, the smaller agents, they, they tend to be a little more nimble, a little more carefree, but there's still this mentality of whether it is outsourced or it brought in house, there's still this idea that it needs to be a certain way. Like there's just needs to be, oh, it just needs to have a certain feel to it. Everyone's got to be all nice, nice, get the haircut, you know, and is that one of the most, I feel like personally, that's one of the mo- more dangerous mentalities you can have when it comes to you know, creating any sort of consistent video? You know, we kind of picture in our head what we would like our content to look like and what, our, what we would like our perception to, to people to be. And it's, it's not actually what they want. It's what we want personally. It really, especially when you look at in the insurance industry, especially independent agents and you really look at what does somebody want when they're building a relationship? What do they want from somebody they're working with, somebody that they trust and all of these things? It can actually work against you having things that are too polished, too clean, too, you know, looking too a little high production value here versus, wow, this person's just like me. Like I can relate to this person. And for that reason, I feel like I can trust them a little bit more. Uh, I think that goes for really any small to medium sized business. But definitely when you're, you know, either a single person or part of a small team, having that kind of, for lack of a better term, amateur vibe to some of your stuff is actually a strength in a lot of ways. I think there's a fine line too. Like there's one thing if you're like overly polished and, uh, or you're in like sweatpants, right? <laughs> like there's a difference between, there's a, a medium area where like you can still be relatable and, um, there's so many sweatpants to- line for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so, I mean, Mariah, so that, all right, so let me, let me think this then. So not, not even just on the visual aspect, right. But how much of it also too, is that feeling too stuffy with the message, right? Like you're sitting straight up, you got the off to the side a little bit, you know, I got the, I got to look right. I got the suit and the tie. I mean, how much of that have you guys had to fight against in, in the people that you talk with to where it's like, you know, talk like you would normally talk to like a human being and not like this ridiculous version of yourself that doesn't exist. Well, I think what's been maybe an easier part of how we've been able to tackle video and and not feel too stuffy and formal is that our culture is is very much so, I'd say more laid back and more on the level of being able to be open with the way that we communicate with our prospects, our our clients, um, it being okay to say, um, and not have an overly perfect script. Like, I mean, Zach and I talk a lot about not having a script for that very reason that the last thing you want to do is feel really stuffy with your messaging. Cause I know personally it's going to feel fake. It's not going to feel genuine. It's going to go over my head versus someone who's being real with me, talking to me about the things that I should know about and care about, um, from a human to human perspective, right? Not just sales jargon or talk. Yeah. There's, there's varying degrees to this too. And to Mariah's point, there's, there's a sweatpants line in the way that you communicate as well. So, you know, having something to say and saying it in a concise way and saying it properly and using proper body language and looking like you're happy to be there and all these things, like they all matter. You know, I don't mean to put any of that stuff down. Uh, and so there's just, there's varying degrees of professional and personal things that you would take into account when you're communicating in general. This isn't just, you know, video 101. This is just communication best practices. 
Yeah, well, you know, Marcus did a video, I can't remember, it was a while back, but he, you know, he talked about, you know, the fact that, and maybe, maybe did it at the workshop, but, you know, it's, hey, you just hit record, you don't stop, it's one take, and then you just, you get the, you get each part, you move on, and you just go move forward, and that's the most practical sort of advice that I've ever, obviously, that's Marcus's, I mean, shocking, right, Marcus gives that practical advice, but, um, <laughs> You know, how long, like expectations, right? How long should that actually be for somebody sitting in front of the camera? Like, what do you normally think is, is uh, you don't terribly suck now and this shouldn't be too embarrassing for other people to see? Like, what is that time frame that you would maybe see somebody that isn't all, all that comfortable getting in front of the camera right away to how many videos do you think it normally takes somebody to get to where it is serviceable? Yeah, I think there's two sides to it. So, you know, the one-to-one -one side and the, and the produce side, I, th I think they do have their differences. Uh, and by the way, you know, just in case anybody doesn't know what one-to-one -one is and what we're talking about, these are, these are simple videos that are recorded with your webcam and it's not a, you know, big production thing. Um, you know, with the no-stop rule, that is a fantastic principle for uh, when you're shooting any type of video. I will say it's a lot easier to get that down when you're shooting one-to-one -one videos because most of the time you're like on your own, you're in your own space and it's a little bit easier. You don't have as much of the nerves. So it might not take you as long with, with that to, to reinforce the no stop roll with yourself. Now with a produced video where you've got, you know, a camera guy and a lighting person and you know, a producer sitting in front of you and there's all these lights on you, the no stop rule is much harder in those cases because you know, the pressure is just higher, the stakes are higher and therefore you're a little more nervous. So it might take you a little bit longer. I have seen though, when we've trained teams, spe specifically sales teams who were recording a lot of videos uh, on camera, that once you start enforcing the no stop rule, it just becomes natural. Where all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know what? I can't stop in the middle of a sales meeting either. So why would I stop during the video? This is, this is right. This is, this feels good. This I'm used to doing this. And then it just kind of sets in and it takes, you know, varying degree, varying, uh, amounts of videos for everybody until they get comfortable like that. Yeah. And I think it's just the, the idea of being wrong too, right? Everyone's afraid of being wrong or missing something or, and, but again, I always default to the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you've been doing this for however many years you do it every day. And I mean, there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to say something wrong. Even if you do, that's why you can just edit it. But you know, one thing I did want to talk uh, touch on is the, uh, the podcast film school for marketers. And, you know, talk to me about, you know, because this is something that you guys do, what I gather outside of, you know, your day to day roles at impact and, and all that fun stuff. How, how do you find time to, you know, kind of, or, you know, just the ambition and motivation to pull that off when, you know, you have everything else going on because that's the other thing that people always say is I don't have time. I don't have time. Oh, it's, you know, I never, I'm never going to have time within the day, but you're doing that even outside of all the other content that you're creating. Like how important was that to you guys to, to make sure that you actually executed on this thing? Really important. And I have to pay Mariah a lot of money to keep showing up every week. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we, and Mariah's going to have her point of view on this as well. I'm not going to speak for both of us, but for me, you know, I, I enjoy talking about these things. I, I see the immense value that it can bring to our community, to our customers and our prospects, and just people who are doing great things and, and want access to really quality education. So that's my motivator. And it, does every video that we do lead to you know revenue 
for the company or f- for myself in any way? No, not at all. I, I do it. It's a labor of love for me. So I'm willing to come back every week and, you know, we record these podcasts and we publish them and uh, it builds, you know, thought leadership for myself. It gives me uh, great content to send to people when they have questions like, Hey, we, we've talked about this on the podcast. You would love it. And I could send it to them. And so those, that's what motivates me. I mean, I'm just a content producer. Like I just love creating stuff anyway. So, you know, it's, I guess, I think it's easier for me in a lot of ways than, than for some people. I would say, uh, same as Zach in terms of that I love talking about it um, and having a discussion and meeting new people who are doing fun things in the video world. Uh, so for me, it's like that, a highlight of my week. It's what I'm excited about and to do. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I've seen that correlation of the way that content, whether it's from our podcast or other podcasts within our company, um, does relate to ROI and drive sales or helps move deals along by providing educational information and that we have thought leaders within our company. I think people respect your company even more when you have those people out front who are doing more and they are thought leaders. And then I would say the other piece of it as well is, I know this has been for you, Zach, too. I mean, you speak at places, but I've had um, a couple of speaking engagements come out of the fact that people have you know, watched our content and, and seen us and they see the thought leadership and invite us to, to come speak about um, video. So a lot of great fruit from it. Yeah, I mean, what's the most unexpected, I guess, maybe um, <clears throat> invitation or whatever? Where, where is it? Where has that, that sort of thought leadership taken you to the place that you didn't really think it would ever do it um, based on somebody stumbling upon your content or an opportunity that, that presented itself based on, again, you just putting it out there? It's actually funny because I never wanted to be a speaker until I started creating content and people started asking me. Yeah. And then it kind of, uh, it, it kind of grew from there. I was very fortunate this year to travel over to Norway to teach a video sales and marketing workshop to a group of uh, Microsoft software distributors. And that came solely based on a piece of content that I had published on our YouTube channel, on the Film School for Marketers YouTube channel. They, they watched the video. They really liked the methodology. They got to know me through that content and kind of understood what I was about and ended up leading to a really great relationship with, with multiple different companies now. I think that was the most unexpected. And then we get comments and shares and stuff from all over the world. I mean, it's, it's amazing the reach that it has. Mine's not as grand as as Zach's. I haven't traveled. No one's asked me to come travel outside of the U.S. So if anyone's listening and you want someone to come travel, <laughs> hit me up. Um, but I would say, you know, it's interesting. I feel like I kind of fell into this and didn't expect that I would fall into love with video and marketing. Like I love marketing. I love sales. And it's something that I, I kind of fell into and started trying out and doing and saw great success and was willing to be vulnerable to failing and succeeding and talking about it. And even before our podcast, um, when I was producing blog content, I think that's what led to Zach and I, or me being invited to speak with you, Zach, at the uh, Vineyard Virtual Summit, which at the time I was like, wow, you're asking me? Like, that's wild. Um, But I think the fact that I wasn't afraid to speak up because not many people were speaking about one-to-one video and put myself out there, it, it brought opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. That's interesting. Like, was there a moment, Mariah, where you kind of thought like, what, what was that that said, oh, this is an opportunity or, or what, there, was there something that just clicked? Like, I, I'm just going to do this. Like, and, and it's usually kind of a, a thing that you remember, but what was that for you that just made it make sense? I felt myself 
like dedicating a ton of time to wanting to figure out how to be really good with it. Um, you know, it didn't seem like work to me. It was something I was passionate about and that I started to see success from. And because people weren't talking about it and not other pe- people weren't really trying it out within an organization, you know, I was like, wow, there's really something here um, that I want to, you know, share with everyone. And it's just kind of grown from there in terms of even outside of one-to-one video, um, how I can just dive into to that in general. And Zach, do you have like kind of a moment where, you know, you thought, wow, this is, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to take a guess that you were maybe always along the lines of the creative, but that's just me guessing. I don't know. Um, that's the kind of look that you have about you, just the aroma. Um, (laughs) but, um, you know, was there, was there a moment where you said, no, this makes sense. I can do this. I think I can be good at this because the, you know, you, there's always this like imposter syndrome, right? Of like you not thinking like you're an expert enough. And, but yet the fact that you're willing to, you know, even if you're not the best person in the world, the fact that you are the one person in the world that does take the time to put that information down for others to use that, that makes you stand out. Yeah. I, I not only have I always been a, a creative, I've always really enjoyed helping people by empowering them. Like I, I, I really love our methodology of consulting at impact, which is teaching people to fish for themselves. We're not creating some long-term reliance on us or on myself. And we instead get to see them do great things and they own it. They did the work and they're going to continue to do the work and they see the fruits of that. Um, and for me, that just so happens to be video right now. It could be something else in the next 10 years. Uh, but yeah, I, I do love the creative stuff. I love education. It's what, it's what drives me. And I'm very fortunate that I get paid to do it. All right. Since you asked, I got to ask both of you guys, well, what do you think might be next? Like if, if there were like a thing after this or like, what's this thing that you're just kind of got out the corner of your eye that I should pay a little more attention to that. I should maybe be a little bit better at that. Is there anything that you're feeling a little nervous about right now? Uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous about, um, the, well, not nervous. I, I'm excited, but also ner- also, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, virtual reality, this, all these conversations with, about Neuralink and Elon Musk and, and, you know, this, all this yeah. virtual stuff is, is inevitable ultimately. Yeah. It begins, and, and here's how I know it's inevitable. It's because it's what we see in futuristic movies right now. Yeah. And what we saw in futuristic movies like 20 years ago is today. So, you know, it's got to come true. Uh, but no, I just, I, I wonder how that technology is going to affect sales and marketing, how it's going to affect the way that we do business. Uh, and the reason it makes me nervous is because I don't really have any guesses as to how to start adapting for it. I would agree with you, Zach. And it's funny because I didn't like think much to it and now I'm nervous about it. But uh, I feel like I both ways about that though. Like part of me is scared of that, but at the same point, I feel like people crave that human element of things. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, the future generations are so disconnected from the human connection element and they would rather have some connection to technology or... Man, it makes me think of like the Black Mirror if... Uh, I know, Zach, you've watched those episodes. <laughs> Yeah. And that was a really, that's a really good question, Joey. It's also kind of a dark question, but it's, well, I mean, so let's, let's keep going. Let's turn the lights on a little bit more. So, I mean, I guess what I'm thinking is, is, you know, since we're here, you guys brought us here. I, I didn't, I just asked the question. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, right. If the, if that neural link does happen and it's already like, we've already seen the first like thing. So let's say 10, 20 years until it actually maybe becomes a little bit commonplace. 
to where we actually see it in the wild occasionally, you're dealing with people that have, they're going to be able to access that education and information almost instantly. Right. Sure. So what, is, what does that look like? What does marketing look like then? Like, you know, and, and what, you know, what messages resonate then? I mean, this is crazy. Like we don't really need to be talking about this, but I, I mean, let's just do another 30 seconds on it. But I mean, like seriously though, think about that. Um, that really does change the game on most of the marketing that is kind of winning today of, you know, education based to where you could be the expert uh, just by the fact of you thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, and these things are all still limited to the content that's being created, right? Like even Google now, given this, it's an incredible technological advancement. Google is and the way that consumers are using it is pretty fascinating, but it yeah. still is limited by the content that, that businesses, the business of the world have created. Right. And so if you apply that same methodology to where, you know, virtual reality and Neuralink and things like that will, will have us in the next 10, 20 years, it's still going to be important that businesses are willing to talk about the things that no one else talks about and being honest mm -hmm. and transparent and giving consumers what they need to know. So that, that, that part won't change. I feel uh, better now, Zach. Thank you. That makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm here for you. Um, no. All right. Well, that's no. I, Mariah, do you have any thoughts on that or, or, or should we just all just stop being scared together? Totally over my head. <laughs> um, all right. So let's pull it back. Let's bring it back down a little bit closer to earth here. Um, let's really talk practical stuff. This is somebody that, uh, you know, is just getting started or has maybe got started. Like what, if you, if you had one thing to tell them uh, when it, when it comes to creating videos for their business and just the overall importance or one thing that they either need to not worry about or need to get right, what is that one thing? Solve for your sales problems, solve for your sales team, solve for your sales process. Start there. Don't start anywhere else. Don't try to create a viral Facebook video. Don't try and uh, create some crazy about us homepage video. This is the wrong places to start. Start for things that's, that, that are going to start to make a difference in revenue right now. It's very easy, especially given the technology we talked about today with one-to-one -one video. It's a perfectly, perfectly reasonable option to use that technology to start answering some of the most common questions you get during your sales process and start sending, put them on your website, start sending them in a sales sequence, send a bunch of them before you have your first meeting, you know, look for ways to use this kind of communication to shorten your sales cycle, build more trust and solve for, for, you know, revenue issues. That's super strong. I a hundred percent agree with that. I guess my other piece would be, um, I, I keep using this word, but I, I feel like it's such an important takeaway and that's to be human. Like as you're doing this, I think that one of the biggest barriers to entry with even getting started with video or doing anything is that people, like you said, get caught up in how it looks and how professional I am and how many times I have to do this, but just do it and be yourself and connect how you would with someone that you would want, someone that would want to do business with you anyway. Um, don't let it scare you off um, and just be human. So that's a great point. Uh, and I was going to say, I have one more question, but now I have two. So um, relatability, right? That's like a huge thing, right? But in, in as much as somebody wants to try to be relatable, it sometimes doesn't come as natural. Is there anything that, I mean, you guys are, feel like you swing more on the natural side of things, but with the people that you've worked with, I mean, is there a secret to being more relatable or not? Because that, that is always what I've found to be the, the kind of the X factor, right? Like the more relatable you are, the more down to earth you are, that, that's what actually gets somebody to pick up the phone and call you. That's when the business actually comes through the door. Um, but it's something people struggle with. Is there anything that, 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 that helps grease those wheels? 
that's a personal journey, uh, I, in my opinion. My way of relating to other people is totally different than Mariah's way of relating to people. It's totally different than your way, Joey, of relating to other people. I think there's no real guidebook to becoming a relatable person. Everyone is relatable in some way. But my piece of advice is, you know, we say things like be human, have this relatable thing, like all these things, just look around for, for what influences you. Like look at the type of videos that you like and relate to. Look at the types of things that you see out there that you go, wow, that's really good. I really like that. And the things that inspire you and motivate you and as a, as a buyer and as a business. And then start to, to use that inspiration to, you know, find your own voice. I, I think it'd be dangerous to say like, well, here's how you can be more relatable. Like say these five things and people would be like, ah, oh, I, get, I get it. You know, everyone has to have that kind of personal journey. And if you figure that out for yourself, it's going to be a lot easier anyways than trying to, you know, have somebody else teach you to be relatable. I have those five things. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what I would say is that <laughs> I would highly recommend, I mean, I think people do this already, especially if you're in a, you know, a sales position or you are front lines dealing with people every single day, you can put yourself in their shoes and understand how they're really feeling, how they want to be communicated with. Um, you probably already get a feel for that if you're having those conversations already in person over the phone. Um, but I think understanding it from their point of view is like the best way to, to start to be relatable and, and match that. All right. Before we get to the last question, where can everybody connect with you guys a little bit more? Where can they find you guys? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place uh, to do it. And you have, you have show notes. I'm more than happy to share the link connect with me, ask me questions. Well, yeah, we'll link up to it. Yeah, sure. Happy yeah, you can, you can find me anywhere. It's really actually fortunate for Mariah and I that we have such unique names that you can just Google us and you'll find us. It's very easy. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. But most importantly, uh, Film School for Marketers podcast. But most importantly, every Tuesday on iTunes and Spotify, as well as YouTube, the Film School for Marketers podcast. <laughs> And impact brand too, right? If, if they want to. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a company we associate with sometimes. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So we've obviously covered a lot as it, go, as it goes to, you know, video marketing, you know, and, and the insurance industry has never been one to be forward thinking as far as that goes. Like what's one thing that you see from other industries that would really fit well within insurance or like, what do you think maybe a better question what, what would you like to see from an outsider, from an outsider's perspective, from, from, from the industry that would help you understand and relate better to, to us and how we can communicate better to you? Well, I think it goes for anything that I would be buying. You know, I, I really want to work. So when it comes down to like picking like a real estate agent or a car insurance company or, uh, you know, all of these like services that I find like very useful and important for my financial situation. Like I really want to develop a relationship with somebody and I really want to know who I'm working with is like the best fit for me, knows what they're talking about, has a great track record. I like them. They're going to like me, all these things like so important to me. So I'd say, you know, get out in front of, of things, be willing to talk about the stuff that no one else is willing to talk about. If you can, if you can educate me on those things, I'm going to make up my mind pretty quickly if I like you or not. And if I want to do business with you, and so that's what I would like to see if I, if I was the buyer in the situation. Yeah, I think that um, 
it comes down to the person, how comfortable you feel, especially if it's a really big decision that you're making. But also, like you said, providing that content and information about the questions that I have before maybe I even ask them um, and things that I hadn't even thought of that I should consider and comparisons. I think that that's huge in making that decision and it coming straight from the source. Zach and Ryan, I'm going to leave right there. Thank you for taking the time. It was a great time. Thank you for having us, Joey. Awesome.